Greetings and yawashkanagagwego. I'm thankful you're well. You're listening to a very special edition of Gaino. I'm your host, Brad Maybe, and today we're honoring Indigenous Peoples Day, the holiday formerly known as <coughs> Day. And uh, I also, instead of just uh, wanting to stir the pot, I, I do want to help offer some solutions as well. So if you're tuning in for the first time today, Gaino is the Seneca word for music or song. We're going to be listening to a lot of great music, but today is going to be the rare occasion where the dialogue is going to be a little bit more prominent. Uh, with that being said, the beauty of this modern technology is that I can make a longer playlist uh, for the archive podcast version. So be sure to check out some bonus features. Google gynomusic.fm, that's G-A-E-N-O, music.fm. I don't know, sometimes when you try to uh, dial it right in, it acts a little funky. i got to look into that. But anyway, uh, today, as I was mentioning, we're honoring Indigenous Peoples Day. I see this a little bit as an opportunity. As I was mentioning, I, I want to lead conversations that can offer just a few solutions. I invited a couple of my older brothers from the Seneca Nation Territory, Dr. Jason Corwin of the Deer Clan. His family is from the Cattaraugus Territory. And later on, I'll be joined on the line with Dennis Bowen, former president of the Seneca Nation. He also helped to organize the Cleveland chapter of the, the American Indian Movement uh, back in the early 70s. He's a powwow MC. Uh, so keep it tuned in for a couple insightful conversations. Once again, this is an opportunity to discuss creative beginning, new energy. I realize that there are a number of different approaches that we could take today, right? Uh, so in addition, uh, and developing on that concept a little bit, I think it's time for new construction. We find ourselves, in my opinion, as a little bit of a uh, nation in the midst of an identity crisis. And my hope is uh, that this conversation can spark a little bit of uh, creativity in helping to redefine the paternal archetype. Because as long as the brutal and genocidal history of colonialism is celebrated uh, in the minds of indigenous and uh, people of color all around the world, the threat of continued acts of genocide is very much alive and we need to shift away from that. But again, I want today's conversation to be as positive as possible. So uh, a lot of great stuff. I think you'll find the conversations to take on a little bit of a musical tone anyway, a duet, if you will. Consider this episode also to be a fall preview of sorts. I'm looking forward to talking to some amazing artists here uh, during this beautiful autumn season. Um, uh, in fact, you hear Raven Shaw Cohen's hostile right now. I'm looking forward to talking to him. I want to try and plan that out for around the quote-unquote Thanksgiving holiday, late November. I think we could have a lot of fun with that. Also have some digging roots coming your way. Kaylee Cardinal. Uh, Emma Donovan and one of her collectives, the Black Arm Band, some brand new Emma Donovan and the Putbacks, uh, Indigenous Australian powerhouse uh, woman, a tour de force from Australia. I think I said that again. Also, one of my heroes, Tanya Tagak, also all, one of my favorites. Jay Lee Wolf is kicking things off here. A lot of great music, some conversations, important words to be shared today. And I hope you come away feeling a little bit uh, hopeful, if you will. So at this time, you are cordially invited to turn it up and sing along with Jaylee Wolf's latest single. The song's called Lead Me, and you are listening to Guy.
Season in the same key, breath will be seized by the melody. Melanin half and half like some cream. <laughs> yes, honesty be the policy. That's facts. Never dream of fibbing. Matter fact, can't let the gravel get me off the map. Pocahontas with the looks and appeal, making buku off of pupils of those who pay in to see my race sold on a jersey and sold, but can't find my goals. I'm still not a human being. Still shit that you're not seeing. Women I'm missing and done away with. Chest is so heavy like that of my ramps. He rode on the gravel back from foreign lands. Purple heart pinned on his threads, got him feeling so proud. Then the bar door red, no dogs, no Indians allowed. Hey, hey, oh, oh. Took off his medal and threw it, then drowned in the liquor for decades. He knew he was ruined. The gravel then got him and ripped up his spirit, but that's how they want him. All dusty and gloomy, they ask why I'm driven and brash and defensive. It's 'cause we got scars. You try to keep hidden in history, vividly written to rid off these enemies. Gravel I've ridden. For centuries. This mascot issue goes deeper. It's one of the deepest root issues that we have that goes back into the historical trauma. When I'm in third grade, so what do you think about the mascot? This is Jaylee Wolf, and you're listening to Gyno. Take our tongues. We lost our language and we didn't. In Nuvala, we didn't.
Welcome back to the special Indigenous Peoples Day edition of Gyno. If you're just now tuning in, it's your host, Brett Maybe, checking in with you. And as promised, I have a great friend joining me on the line right now for a quick discussion. It's Dr. Jason Corwin, my former boss at the Seneca Media and Communications Center. Uh, he's now currently the Clinical Assistant Professor of Indigenous Studies at the University at Buffalo. Uh, him and his crew up there are up to some huge things. And uh, welcome to Gyno. This is long overdue. I, I don't often get to talk to people outside of the musical realm. And so uh, I, I, I wanted to get you on as soon as I can. And here you are. And uh, how are you doing today, Jason? Oh, I'm great. I, I'm really glad to be here. At, you know, I'm a huge fan of the show. Uh, for years now, and it's a great honor to be here today. I can't thank you enough for all your support throughout the years and helping Gyno to get to where it is right now. Uh, you know, Jason, uh, you and I are both well aware that we can get into these very deep conversations and uh, we can go down any number of rabbit holes, and we're going to try and keep things as concise as we can. We're looking at about five to ten minutes uh, to talk about Indigenous Peoples Day. Now, obviously, yeah, there's a good percentage of the country that's still... Uh, wants to cling to the Columbus Day paradigm and whatnot. But um, I guess one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to the more scholarly folk today is uh, to offer a little bit of a fresh perspective, if you will. Now, as I was mentioning earlier on in the show, I feel like we're a bit of a nation in crisis. And in order to move forward, we need to accept, A, that fact, and B, um, not only you know tear down some of, of the old systemic racism, but I feel like there's a little bit of a responsibility to try and uh, offer solutions as well. So uh, I know you're a person who doesn't believe in the box. You don't think outside the box. There is no box. And how long ago did you first start getting active with uh, social issues? I was drawn to the American Indian Movement and that work as a teenager in the 80s. Uh, and then particularly pertinent to today's discussion, you know, in 1992, I was 20 years old, and that was the quincentenary, uh, the 500 years since 1492, and there was just a whole lot going on um, back then. You know, there, there was a lot of media coming out, um, movie Incident at Oglala about the Leonard Peltier case, the movie Thunderheart, uh, TV shows and documentaries uh, were all coming out. And there, there was a great awareness going beyond just indigenous communities about the problems with this Columbus mythology that um, people in, in the United States in particular seem to really want to cling to. Though mm. it's, it, it's not unique. Sure. To the U.S., you throughout the Americas and any of the colonial countries, you'll find statues to Columbus and conquistadors and um, you know other other colonists. So that was you know where where I was 
really brought into a greater awareness of the the hemispheric reality of of us as native people Hmm. and that there were people from alaska to argentina who were facing you know very similar circumstances uh, under colonialism and who were pushing for recognition for respect so challenging this you know primary myth of columbus the great discoverer was huge and i was fortunate to meet many elders in the movement and and hear speeches that inspired me to um, to get active and be a participant and and a change for the future a lot of people have this misconception that uh, this wanting to remove Columbus Day is some kind of uh, a new movement. But as you just alluded to, at least for the last 30 years, this has been uh, gaining steam, gaining momentum. What do you feel like has changed, if anything, since 1992? Well, you know, the, there was even before then, there was decades of groundwork uh, laid that challenged the dominant hegemony of the colonial powers and, and this um, colonial narrative. And then, you know, 1992 really just brought it to the forefront. Sure. And then the 30 years since then, um, we've seen a, a really greater awareness, both within our own communities, as, as we've kind of thrown off the mental shackles, the mental slavery, you know, as Bob Marley would thing about, you know, they came from the boarding school era and all this educational indoctrination that there was something wrong and bad about our peoples and our way of life. And I think that given the, the greater social awareness of society at large, of, of people of all different backgrounds and ethnicities, um, has help move the needle forward and i think that the environmental scene has has really helped foreground that indigenous peoples have a very important role to play um for our global human society now so we're in this time where young people are hyper aware of climate change and you look at the polls and and many of them feel you know very apprehensive and nervous about the future and what does it hold with given the amount of pollution and damage that um, humans have put upon the earth in a relatively short amount of time so i think there's an openness now coming from that end and then with all the awareness around systemic racism and oppression that that came out during the pandemic around the uh, George Floyd murder and that people are saying, yeah, why are there all these statues honoring people like Columbus or, you know, conquistadors and genocidal people, Confederate generals and slaveholders, and, and people are really questioning is that the narrative that people want to cling to or or is it time to recognize that there's always been uh, an other history that has not been given uh, much attention in mainstream education well i guess that's what i wanted to bring up and i'll uh, let's be honest a fair number of non-indigenous listeners tuned in right now might even say that this is an erasure of history. Uh, how would you respond to that? Yeah, that's a very defensive posture that uh, is not surprising. And so anytime people push for more seats at the table, so to speak, mm. or for um, more stories to come forward, it's always seen as um a threat sure and in you know the pursuit of knowledge whether in formal or informal ways you know we want to get at some truth and for far too long uh the truths about um non-european descended people have been 
pushed to the side. They've been distorted, misrepresented. And now that we're saying that's, we're not going along with that any longer. Of course, some people are going to be uh, a bit defensive, Mm -hmm. but, you know, adding more of the reality of history is, uh, is far from an erasure. Um, You know, it's adding quite a lot more to having a, a fuller understanding of history. And like that famous quote, uh, that, that people pass around, you know, those, those that uh, don't remember history are condemned to repeat it. Sure. So it's, it's important that these things don't get swept under the rug and, and they get brought out into the light more. Uh, I think we can both agree that we're not here to, you know, put any particular demographic down. We're not trying to alienate anyone. We're uh, trying to, I, I think anyway, try to win potential allies. Now, just playing a little bit of devil's advocate right here. Let's say uh, that it's not just going to be a complete um, a complete replacing of uh, honoring an Italian-American or whatever with Indigenous Peoples Day. Let's say we have to share this particular Monday uh, with another holiday forever. What are some solutions? What? How could we uh, honor both uh, you know, the Italian-Americans and, and still tell a fuller story, if you will, if that makes any sense? Yeah, well, the interesting thing is that there are so many... Uh, Italian Americans and and Italians who done great things that are are certainly very worthy of uh, honoring and and recognition and and uh, can be a source of cultural pride for that community mm-hmm. and without having to latch on to this um, Columbus character, right. you know, and and I think it it. It's probably reflective on the fact that uh, Italians were were marginalized when they first um, started immigrating here, and and uh, more um, Anglo-Saxon kind of uh, Americans, uh, you know, saw them as different and, sure. and dirty, and so latching on to Columbus became this way of them um, joining the family of of whiteness that they were kind of being being excluded from and you know it's it's well time past that uh and there like i said there's just so many better examples of people from that community who who've um, had great accomplishments and and contributed to the greater good of humanity that would be better to recognize and you know we're you know, we've pushed for Indigenous Peoples Day because we've been the ones who've been erased right. for so long. The vast majority of the, the general population think that we're a relic of the past or we don't really, you know, say things like, I, I didn't even know there were still reservations. Yeah. Or that. It's more yeah. common than people give credit for <laughs> Yeah, so there's been a huge erasure that, you know, it, it's well overdue to be rectified and, and to recognize the depth of, you know, culture, accomplishments, uh, achievements, um, be they um, intellectual, agricultural, um, architectural, philosophical, whatever, that indigenous people have to offer. Dr. Corwin, I can't thank you enough for your time today as we were sitting there talking about uh, the number of other, you know, Italian-Americans that we could be honoring. I mean, if we were to go with a contemporary source, I would, my vote would maybe go with Frank Sinatra. He was a flawed individual, but did a lot for the equality of uh, particularly black musicians. Quincy Jones comes to mind. You know, imagine what the world would be missing if uh, Quincy Jones wasn't creating in the world, you know what I mean? But uh, even on a serious note, Hey, how about any of the
the number of uh, forward thinkers from the Renaissance period who were persecuted by the church. Uh, Giordani Bruno you know, is a good example. Uh, amazing philosopher put to death for questioning, <laughs> you know. So I, I agree for wholeheartedly that there are a number of other people that we could be honoring. And, you know, I do absolutely agree that this is an important conversation to be having to not erase history, but in an attempt to actually move forward and, again, help to create uh, this paradigm. We're going to get back into the music at this time. Uh, but once again, I can't thank you enough. Uh, stick around, listeners. I'll be back with another one of my older brothers that uh, I like to discuss such matters with. I glean so much insight. Uh, so once again, thank you so much, Jason, uh, for coming on Gyno today. Oh, it's been my pleasure. And, and I'm looking forward to just seeing how far this show uh, is, is expanding and getting out there. It, it's really exciting for me as a you know longtime listener and fan to, to see how it's really exploding and getting out there uh, throughout Indian country and beyond. Mothers, 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 being strong wives. You brought me in this world, brought me all of your milk from your little I drink. No brother could do, no brother's brother. There's a sisterhood of mothers, a genderhood of girls. Soon to become women in this place of the Yeah. Okay. 
Anin, sending you some indigenous music love from the Midwest. This is Kelly Jackson, and you're listening to Gainu with Brett Mavy. Waiting for the sun to rise now. Waiting for my baby to come home. Because I feel a little bit lonely Wanting to hold you before the sunrise
the Black Arm Band and their live version of Sunrise. If you're just now tuning in, you're listening to Gino. And as I was mentioning before that musical break, uh, of course, most of today's listening features indigenous artists from right here on Turtle Island. However, I feel like we can't necessarily have a conversation uh, about the legacy of colonialism, Christopher Columbus. Uh, you might even throw uh, James Cook into that same category, this uh, collective colonialism that the indigenous peoples throughout the world have all experienced. And I feel that it's important to re-emphasize uh, that connection for the naysayers in, in this here great land who maybe want to deny that that colonization is a part of the legacy of this country. In fact, uh, that is a, a good reason why I'm having this particular conversation today with a few of my Hachi, my older brothers right here from uh, specifically because I feel um, like we're uh, collectively in the United States right now, a nation in the middle of an identity crisis. And I wanted to check in with some of the older brothers who have been active um, in the social causes for well, decades. And as we were talking with Dr. Corwin, he's been uh, pretty engaged since about 1992. And I want to rewind back even further because this is something that I also talk about here on Gyno, that the further you go back in time, the harder it was to stand up uh, for indigenous rights. And I am now joined on the line with a resident of the old Red House community within the Seneca Nation, former president of the Seneca Nation. He uh, is a powwow MC all throughout this great land. You probably recognize him from the Gathering of Nations. Uh, back in the 70s, he helped to organize the Cleveland chapter of the American Indian Movement. I'm talking with my brother of the Bear Clan, also sniped through his father, uh, the one and only Dennis Bowen. And Yawashkano to you today, Hachi. How are you doing? I certainly appreciate that sentiment, and I hope that's what uh, people will take away from today's conversation. Um, as I've been trying to emphasize throughout today's show, I feel uh, obviously the responsibility every time uh, the microphone turns on to use these words in, in the best way possible. And I don't want to just tear things apart and we're going to be Indigenous People's Day, whether you like it or not. I, I, I'm trying to get people to understand why uh, this is specifically such an important symbol to remove for Indigenous peoples uh, throughout the world. And you, like I mentioned, have been about this work for a very long time. And um, why is this such uh, an important time to make this shift away? It's very, very important because our teachings, our old ancient teachings, tell us to think of our generations way ahead of us, you know, and so whether that's 120, 150 years from now, seven generations, we have to have our decisions, our thinking, our work in the community to prepare for them. And, uh, and that we are products of our people from seven generations back, 140, 150 years back. Mm. And so we're a part of a beautiful way of life. And so our responsibility is not to disrupt that by stopping and doing nothing or um, ignoring or um, not knowing our history, not knowing who we are. And uh, so it's an important day. And, and there's community members that will tell us, well, every day is Indigenous Day. And yes, there's truth in that, too. Sure. And so as we struggle... We've had to struggle just to get a day recognized and then to get Indigenous Month, which mm -hmm. was, what, November? Yeah. Under uh, some of the presidents, President Bush, and then um, the Year of Indigenous People. And then <laughs> it, it's taken that struggle, and it's all to educate people on Earth and people who are not Indigenous and to uh, reverse this great ignorance and an ignorance that was tied to genocide, mm. to uh, the rape of Mother Earth, the destruction of the air and water. And so you've got to educate those people that walk on Earth, and they are our relatives too, and they're blind, and there's a heavy metal band 
from Germany that one of some of their songs that one of them said um, the eyes are useless if the mind is blind mm. and if we indigenize that statement it would be the eyes are useless if the spirit is blind if the heart is blind and so we're spiritual people so yeah Let's keep working. You hit on something, I think, incredibly important that I am hoping the non-Indigenous listener will walk away with today. Now, of course, I I feel like the good majority of uh, the broadcast will be on territories throughout Turtle Island. However, I know that's not always the case. And what you said in there is what I'm, I'm trying to get at. There are a lot of people, I feel... Uh, non-Indigenous people specifically who feel that the abandonment of Columbus Day is, you know, almost an abandonment of quote-unquote white people. And what you said in your statement right there is that, of course, there are relations, too, and this education is important there. But if we're trying to search for solutions, um, do you have any possible insight that might help people uh, to help integrate this shift away from Columbus Day in a way that's not going to help uh, fuel the alienation, if you will. Definitely, um, and especially for the younger people, the children, the youth, the teenagers, the young adults, that they're being exposed and raised by an educational system that compartmentalizes or it breaks up thought or learning into little things that young people don't know how to connect all those dots. And so to connect the dots, we do that with our culture. We do that with um, who we are as a people. And so it becomes a bigger picture. And so the, the thought there is that sometimes we focus on the small picture so energetically we we focus on the little picture too much and our ancestors says look at the bigger picture so that what columbus did he wasn't the only one who was uh, an invader an explorer that came here there was um uh, francisco vesquez coronado there was sir francis drake Mm. ponce de leon there was uh, giovanni verrazano here there was Samuel Champlain, Sir Walter Raleigh, Jacques Cartier, Henry Hudson, Fernando de Soto, John Cabot, Ferdinand Mangellan. And our kids learned those names in world history. But they were explorers like Columbus. Those explorers were the monkeys. And we're not talking about dealing with the monkeys. We've got to deal with the organ grinder that makes those monkeys start to dance. The organ grinder for these explorers were the popes. Pope Urban II, who sanctioned the first crusade in 1096, 925 years ago. And that first crusade was the roots of white supremacy. It, it set up a war that continues today between white Europeans and the Muslim people in the Middle East. And then there's uh, another pope, who wrote the, declared the Doctrine of Discovery in 1452. And this was, um, well, 40 years before Columbus. Sure. The Doctrine of Discovery, which, again, sanctioned white supremacy and white entitlement. And so people felt they were entitled to invade our land and to kill our people and to destroy and to make money off whatever they could get. And then there's the Pope uh, Nicholas V. In 1455, he granted Portugal a monopoly on trade in Africa, and he authorized the slavery of the African people. And so slavery has a tie to the Pope of the Church. Mm-hmm. And, and that papal bull that Pope Nicholas uh, chartered was called Romanus Pontifex. The next pope, Pope Alexander, in 1493, a year after Columbus, he wrote a papal bull called Inter Cetera. And that papal bull justified 
Christian European explorers to claim our land and water to promote white supremacy in not just Africa, but here in North and South America, what we call Turtle Island, but also in Asia, Australia, New Zealand. And so the popes had a lot to do with the monkeys that are the explorers. Mm. The popes were the organ grinders that, that got those monkeys going around the world exploring, which is a name for invasion. Exploitation. Sure. Yep. You really helped to uh, emphasize the importance on how all of that history is interconnected. You really can't separate the history of slavery or the colonization of the United States or the colonization of the world, for that matter, uh, without really digging into all of that. And yes, it is uncomfortable for some people to realize, even though I do feel like you know, obviously, that history that you just explained is, is common knowledge. Like you said, that's what we learned about in school. Um, yeah. And that's why I feel like it's a little odd when people try to deny it. I mean, when they were lynching blacks in the okay. South, you know, not only were they taking pictures, they were posing as if they were with a, a trophy kill. You know, these things yeah. were celebrated. And, and that is part of, I think, some of the nastiness uh, that we see on display right now when uh, indigenous people or, or black people or Asian people, uh, Pacific Islanders, talking about wanting equal rights as well. You see kind of a tendency for that same kind of lashing out. I feel like we're in a little bit of a different time, though. Despite all of the hardships that and being in the midst of this storm right now, I feel like uh, we're going to have a different kind of turnout this time around. So I guess my last question for you today, Hasji, is uh, specifically if you could give a little bit of advice for those who may feel we're in a hopeless time um, and you've seen this uh, hard-earned progress for indigenous rights over the last 40, 50 years uh, since you've been really active, um, what would you say to uh, this younger generation to help keep them hopeful? Well, that question was faced by a lot of the, uh, what you, you know, we do call them activists, the activist leadership. And it becomes a struggle because we have like Black Lives Matter friends who are exhausted. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, we've got all this work done and there's still work to do. I'm tired. What's next? And that same question was asked and and Martin Luther King had it in one of his speeches. He said, what is next? And um, our activists in the American Indian Movement, there was exhaustion there, and people just got tired and says, what do we do now? Mm. Well, that's back in the message of our ancestors. Black Elk, who was Lakota, Black Elk said there's two purposes in life, to know truth, and the second purpose is to seek the truth. And so the history I just shared with you on the popes, the four popes that issued papal bulls that opened up white supremacy, and it became law. White supremacy in uh, the Supreme Court of the United States became law to further damage and hurt and, and hit our people again and again. And so... What do we do next? Listen to what Black Elk said. Know the truth. Seek the truth. So when you see and hear right now, the conservative Republicans are resisting critical race theory in education. They think we're teaching kindergarten kids about critical race theory. <laughs> no, that is a class for graduate studies in the sure. universities. But they're exaggerating and what they're saying is, don't tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And they're suppressing the votes of black people. They're redistricting, redistricting um, different voting areas so black people will have a harder time voting because they don't want the truth to grow. And so, yes, we, we will be tired with human beings, but we have 
this inspiration that's right in front of us. <laughs> mm. And it's like our eyes aren't blind anymore, and neither is our spirit. And, and we can see, we can see truth. And so there's truth. It's so important, brother, because it's not just the human beings. We are facing climate change, global warming. We're seeing, uh, we just seen a piece this morning on CBS Morning News in Iceland. There's over 400 glaciers, and they are melting so fast. And some glaciers have disappeared. That is disrupting the temperature of the water. It's raising water levels. It's destructive from global warming. And, and everyone's related. China now wants to reduce their coal-fired power plants because it's causing global warming. People are starting to come around to this. Well, our chiefs, with our Haudenosaunee, our chiefs have gone to the United Nations for over 60 years and talked about climate change. So, 1992, um, in the Rio environmental treaty that was made in Argentina, the United States didn't want to sign off on that treaty. Neither did Australia, Canada, England, France. They were the industrialized countries that were polluting. They didn't want to sign off on an environmental agreement. But the poor nations all around Mother Earth signed off. This is us. We need to protect the animals, the birds, the insects. We need to protect the water, the air. That is the bigger picture. And so it's not just injustice against our people. It's injustice against all life. And our ancestors prophesied that long ago that this would happen, and we have to keep working. We need to protect the natural law. It isn't just human rights. It's natural law, natural rights for everything that is. And so that's what we do. We work on living that life, too have our eyes wide open, our ears listening. And we're at the listening post. And uh, anytime we hear something that's important, we turn around and we tell our families, we tell our elders, we tell the children, this is what we need to understand is real, that we need to be safe, have safety, live a longer, healthy life, and not die from health-related diseases from pollution, you know. Mm. So, you know, there's still so much to do, and uh, and I hope some of our activist relatives that we were with in the early 1970s that are tired, I, I hope they hear this and they'll say, all right, bro, I'll get back up, you know, I'll get out of my chair, and I'll get back with it, and yeah, let's encourage each other, so. Mm. Uh, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts with me today. I especially appreciate the emphasizing of that interconnectedness between us all, because that is really, I think, uh, the takeaway. We are all facing some very hard times if we don't take some immediate action uh, to help protect our environment. And this country separating itself from the legacy of colonialism is a huge step in being able to redefine this uh, paternal archetype for coming generations. So, uh, Dennis, again, I can't thank you enough for your time and joining me today on Gyno, and I can't wait to catch up soon. Can I squeeze in one quick thing? Absolutely. When Hillary Clinton was running for president, she took a, a phrase that she said came from Africa, and it said, it takes a, a village to raise a child. In 2021, let's rephrase that expression. It takes a village, but it also takes decolonizing some of the village. <laughs> <laughs> don't guess, don't guess. <laughs> Power to the peaceful. <laughs>
Cardinals is a great big beautiful tomorrow helping to wind down our listening on this very special Indigenous Peoples Day edition of Gyno. I also want to take a quick moment to once again thank my featured guest today, Dr. Jason Corwin, a clinical assistant professor of Indigenous Studies at the University at Buffalo, Deer Clan of the Seneca Nation, Cattaraugus Territory family, and of course Dennis Bowen, former president of the Seneca Nation, Bear Clan from the Allegheny Territory. I'm looking forward to making further opportunities here in the near future to talk to some more of our amazing elders uh, from Seneca Nation territories, Haudenosaunee communities, and of course beyond. I'm looking forward to having uh, my next musical guest on next week. If all goes according to plan, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Mato Waiuhi, he's done, uh, he's the musical director for the brand new hit show, Reservation Dogs. So keep it tuned in. As always, thank you so much. It's Digging Roots, helping to wind down the hour. You're listening to Gaina.
Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. 